Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for teams present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, A Different Look at the Cubs' Lost Dynasty and ask me questions if I was confusing. There, I said it. The Cubs lost dynasty. Now, I don't completely buy into the Cubs lost dynasty premise. However, a lot of people do. A lot of your friends probably think that the Cubs should have been a dynasty. And there is a precedent in the world of sports, regarding why the Cubs dynasty, that probably should never have been a dynasty in the first place, did not develop into a dynasty. There is precedent. There is another team from... the memories of some of you, that probably should have done better in a lot of people's minds, but did not. And the reasons they didn't develop better are lost on a lot of people, both in the case of the current Cubs and the other team. I will first walk you through the other team to an extent, then I will walk you through the Cubs. In case you haven't guessed, the other team is the Super Bowl Bears. I don't know if you're a baseball fan or if you're a football fan or not. I don't know if you were a football fan in the mid-80s, but the Bears took everyone by storm. They did things that other teams hadn't done before. Their offense was ordinary, They, had, with the exception of an aging Walter Payton who still had who still had kick in his game and a little sneer uh, as applicable. But um, the 85 Bears were about the defense. They were about the defense. What they did that no other team that I know of had done was line up three linebackers who blitzed like defensive ends. Three linebackers that blitzed like defensive ends. The other team would have to account for Wilbur Marshall, Mike Singletary, and Otis Wilson. They were... Lawrence Taylor with the Giants was was better than any of the three. However, when you had all three of the Bears linebackers, along with an entire defensive line full of guys who could also sack. The def- the offensive line had to assess how do the seven of us block the eight guys there. So then, once the other team had it figured out, okay, we have, we know who's going to block those eight guys. We have this totally figured out. We're good. Then they drop one of the backers into coverage and send a free safety that you hadn't even thought of. What happened was the 1985 Cubs, or the 1985 Bears, broke 
the game. Nobody had figured out how can you account for a team that has an adequate offense and a defense that can not only win a game, but can put your quarterback in the hospital. They hit violently. If things in the NFL did not change, the Bears were going to be a dynasty. People forget the first part of that. Other organizations want to win. Other organizations want to win as badly, if not more so, than the team that you cheer for. Teams looking at the Bears decided what used to work back in 1977 and 1982 is no longer going to work in 1986. We have to figure out ways that we can defend a defense where every single guy on the opposition, on the defense, can wipe out your quarterback. So instead of a steady succession of seven-step drop, fade, look, 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 bang, teams quit doing that. At least against the Bears, they quit doing that. If you were to go back and watch the two games leading up to the Super Bowl, the postseason game against the Giants, and the postseason game against the Rams, I have. I haven't recently, but I have recently enough to speak with some level of, yeah, I actually know what I'm talking about on this. I don't know much about football now, but I know a bit about football back then. There were two plays that that Bears team had great difficulty with. And there's a pre, uh, regular season game that showed the same thing. In the season opener, they faced Steve DeBerg, who was a... <laughs> he was the quarterback that would train other quarterbacks. He trained Steve Young. He trained, I think, Joe Montana. There were a number of guys that he was there as the starter, and then the guy who took, took over for him was a whole lot better than uh, DeBerg was. DeBerg was the quarterback for Tampa. And in the first half, Tampa had a fantastic half. It's on YouTube if you want to go look at it. Bears, Buccaneers, 1985, Game 1. The Buccaneers ran two plays incredibly effectively in that game. Two plays, they just ran them, and they ran them, and they ran them. The draw, and a screen pass. Draw, screen. Do something else, and a screen then you do something else, then you do something else, then a draw. And the Bears had no aggressiveness left because they didn't know if the screen or the draw was coming. Into the playoffs, the Giants and the Rams, whenever they had success, it was on a screen or a draw. And both of them had a degree of success on both. Especially the screen. Teams adjusted and realized we can't do the seven-step drop we've always done. And shortly thereafter, 
the West Coast offense was created. The West Coast offense is where the quarterback takes the ball, kind of runs a little bit to one side or the other, and looks for a quick pass. Possibly a quick pass to one or two of the receivers who are going to a specific area. If they're not there, then he looks long the other direction. And if that's not going to work, then a quick dump pass to the running back. Boom. Get rid of the ball. Get rid of the ball. The quarterback isn't killed. That, that's the goal of the play. And teams start to realize this actually works. And football has changed a bit, but nobody seems to run the seven-step drop, look, look, look anymore. That's not what happens in football because that no longer wins in football. It gets quarterbacks sent to the hospital. Football changed. And to an extent, the Bears never really adjusted with it. Thanks for stopping by my podcast. I try to provide quality effort into each episode, bringing you information that you might not get as promptly or completely from other sources. This is a service provided free of charge. If you have friends that might be of interest in this in the podcast, send them a link of a favorite episode that might resonate with them, perhaps even this one. Hitting like, share, follow, subscribe, retweet is also appreciated. If you need help in sharing, ask away. If this service is worth more than the asking price, most podcast servers allow you a simple link to contribute to the podcast in any fashion you deem worthwhile. Whether or not that applies to you, thanks for listening. The 2016 Cubs, a number of people have said they fell apart. They just didn't continue to do what they were doing before. And let's see, what's today? October 10th, October 11th, something like that. As of October 10th or whatever today is, I now say hogwash. Chris Bryant is probably a little bit weaker of a player than he was in 2016 because I doubt he's entirely gotten over the hit-by-pitch-to-the-helmet, whether it is the actual, boy, getting hit in the helmet, yikes, or reacting to different things. The Cubs 2016 team placed up against squads right now would have a very difficult time because other teams have started to do quite aggressively what the Cubs did in 2016. Remember how Dexter Fowler used to work counts? Remember how other teams didn't used to work counts? Everybody works counts now. Everybody's trying to run up pitch counts. The Cubs pitching that offseason to a much larger extent than anybody wants to admit was the starting pitchers and Aroldis Chapman. Way more than anyone wants to admit, the bullpen was not particularly deep. They could get some outs here and there, especially in the regular season. They did okay in the San Francisco game that went, what, 12 innings? Um, But the Cubs really didn't have a whole lot of pitching depth. 
And teams realized the Cubs don't necessarily respond well to 97, 98, 99 mile an hour fastballs. What other teams started to do? Let's find guys who throw 97, 98, 99 mile an hour fastballs and get them to the major leagues somehow, some way, in some fashion. And teams have gotten better at doing that. The Cubs haven't. The Cubs haven't really gotten better at doing that, but some of the other teams, the ones that are giving the Cubs lots of trouble, have found ways to... Sixto Sanchez, what, 98-99? Went five innings, and they brought in the relief, and they had guys who could get outs as well. Yes, losing Dexter Fowler in free agency was a problem, A bigger problem was not having someone coming up through the pipeline internally to replace him. Eventually, Ian Happ has gotten to that point to an extent, but the lag between 97, uh, 2017, 2018, and 2019, he wasn't there yet. Now maybe he is. But the really good teams have... A fashion figured out that can beat the 2016 Cubs. Part of it, I was talking in the last podcast, have seven or eight or nine pitchers in the bullpen who are really good. It helps. Because what the Cubs have relied on and what the Cubs did quite well this year, they would run up the pitch count. And they would get the quality, you know, they would get through a couple of relief pitchers. But the teams that have five or six relief pitchers, it really doesn't matter who you bring in because they're better than the Cubs hitters are right now. I don't think it's so much that Chris Bryant has gotten worse, that Anthony Rizzo has gotten worse, that Wilson Contreras has gotten worse. Javier Baez, there may be an issue there with the in-game scouting kind of stuff. But I just don't think that the 2016 Cubs faced that many guys who are tossing 99. Remembering back to the 2016 game four against the Giants, the Cubs did nothing with the starting pitcher. The Giants started bringing in a succession of relief pitchers in the ninth inning. None of them were throwing 99 that I can remember. I um, I was watching the videotape, uh, I was watching on YouTube, um, Derek Law didn't throw 99, Sergio Romo didn't throw 99, um, Javi Lopez didn't throw 99, they, they weren't throwing 97, 98, 99, pitchers are throwing 97, 98, 99 right now, teams now are better than the Cubs were in 2016. There was not going to be a dynasty if the Cubs weren't going to improve internally over their 2016 selves. It just doesn't work that way. Other teams in the league want to win also. Wow, that thing they're doing, it works. Can we replicate it? If yes, let's replicate what we can do. If no, 
how can we counter what we can't replicate? 97, 98, 99. Cubs don't hit that. I don't think the Cubs hit that in 2016. The Cubs were frightened to death of having to play Johnny Cueto in Game 5. They knew if they faced Johnny Cueto in Game 5, it could be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 and out. People look now at the 2016 Cubs as if they were bulletproof. They were far from bulletproof. They were not scoring five or six runs every game. The Giants shut them down to an extent. The Dodgers shut them down to an extent. The Indians certainly shut them down to an extent. The Cubs probably were not going to be a dynasty regardless. Cubs fans who had been so long in between good teams mistook a 2016 squad for a dynasty for the same reason Cubs fans mistook the 1985 Bears for a dynasty. Dynasties have to have ready replacements as players get old or get traded. The 1985 Bears really didn't have that. The 2016 Cubs really didn't have that. It would have been nice if they did. But to get where they had to get, a piece, a, a couple pieces had to go away in 2016. And to try to stay where they were, another couple pieces had to go away in 2017. Because the Cubs didn't have the depth. Dynasties required depth. The Cubs were not a lost dynasty because this, that, or the other thing. The Cubs, nor the Bears, had enough ability to go out and win games on their own. Enough against good teams. For a, for a team to be a dynasty, they have to be able to just go out and beat good teams into the future. They weren't that good. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll have another podcast up soon. The circumstances warrant. I'll attempt to have that one worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs go. And be nice to people.